1: That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That, that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash ifanboy.
2: You are listening to iFanboy's Book explode Queen and Country Definitive Edition, Volume 1.
0: Does
3: about it. Makes you feel
1: safe. Hello and welcome to the second iFanboy Booksplode. Booksplode is the show where we, we pick a volume of, of comic book and we, we talk about that book in, in depth uh, in a way that uh, we haven't really been able to in any of our other shows. So um, this week we are going to be talking about Queen and Country Definitive Edition Volume 1. That's from Oni Press. The whole series is written by Greg Rucka. I am Josh Flanning and I'm here with other iFanboy staff writers. Paul Montgomery. Hello. Sonia Harris. Hiya. And Jim Rotchkowski. Hey, everybody. Hello. Uh, in case you aren't familiar with it, uh, Queen & Country is a, a comic book series. It's a black and white uh, indie series that came out originally in around 2000, 2001, I think. And what it is, it's a, it's a, a story about the British um, special service, MI6, as opposed to MI5, who does domestic, MI6 does international. Um, they're the they're the spies for the for the British go- government, and it focuses mostly on Tara Chase, who is a female agent who sort of made an appearance in Rucka's earlier work, uh, Whiteout, but it's not it's not really her. They didn't name her that for contractual reasons, something like that. Um, but it's, it's a fine series, and it ran sort of off and on for a while, and then it sort of concluded. But we're not going to talk about the later part of the series. We're going to talk about just the first volume, which is the first – I believe it's 12 issues. So that, that The first, first three storylines. Yeah. Yeah, it's volumes 1 through 12 – or issues 1 through 12. Um, these little definitive books that came out – one of these – the first one, I think, was the Book of the Month a long, long time ago.
3: And they're nice. I can I can confirm that. Yeah,
1: they're a little bit smaller than than regular trade paperback size uh, in sort of dimensions, but they're nice and thick, and it's a it's a good read and uh, good way to experience the book. And I think it's like twenty bucks each. Yeah, twenty bucks each. Yeah. So and it's,
4: uh, it's really beautiful. They're very very elegantly designed.
2: Yeah.
3: Very yeah. I, I I love the size of it. I love the design of it. It looks like a like a paperback Stephen King novel that you might buy today. Like you could. If you were an embarrassed sort, you could read it on the train and not feel like you had to explain anything to anybody.
1: Mm-hmm. With a lovely Tim Sale cover, I might add. Yeah. Uh, let me ask, have, were any of you reading this in issues uh, as it came out? No. Nope. Nope. I never covers. I didn't it's, like the uh, I didn't
3: read it because of its reputation. Like, if, if the very first thing I read about a book is that uh, I'll put out the next chapter sometime between now and 2011, I'm not going to set myself up for that. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah, this is one of those books where it's like, like, like I hear Planetary is great, but number 27, you know, has been in the making since I was 14 years old. And I'm just not going to, when it's finished, I'll look at it. But in the meantime, why drive myself crazy?
1: So this is, this has worked out for you, their program. It's, it's certainly, yeah.
3: Oh, absolutely.
1: Well, Uh, I, I read the book, uh, in issues from the beginning, from the first time it came out, because Greg Rucka is, uh, he's a hero of mine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Every sense of the word. No, um, I was a big fan of Whiteout, and and uh, you know Greg Rucka is one of those guys who I follow around. You know, no matter what, it's funny that you mentioned Planetary because I read that for a while, and then I was like, I'm not buying. It, it's late, but it, I, like Greg Rucka can do no wrong for me. So whenever he puts these out, I will buy them, and I'm totally cool with that. But we're not talking about that stuff later. We're just going to focus on these first twelve issues. So it, most of you guys are recent to this. You heard about the books after, like everybody said, it was really good. I assume.
3: Yeah, you guys, Connor's book of the month yeah. thing. Drove it into my skull and broke me down, and I went, you know, all right, you vultures, I'll buy it. And
4: See, so. for me, it was Mike Romo. We were at WonderCon a year and a half ago, and he said, "You have to get this; it's really good, and look how pretty it is. Come on!" He made me buy so much stuff at WonderCon a year and a half ago it was about. <laughs> Are you finished reading all of it yet? Or <laughs> I got to volume three. All
1: right. No, I meant all the books that you bought that that day. It was a joke. That it was a day, back joke.
4: Aesthetic joke I've got stuff see. that
1: I. She's not awake yet. Um, <laughs> that's, that's very clear. Um, Damn you, time zones. So, uh, Paul, you, you you jumped on it. What, what what were you thinking about the book when you when you first grabbed when you first started reading it?
2: Well, this was one of those things. Like I'd seen the trades and had heard all these great things about it, um, and I just I kept putting it off. And then when they came out with the definitive editions, I was like, I have no no more excuse to pick this up. So, I, I grabbed it, and then. Um, it kind of sat on my shelf for a while because I was sort of intimidated by it. And um, and then I said, well, we should do a book explode on this, so that would force me to read it. And I'm really glad that uh, we did get to read it and talk about it because I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, so I'm, I'm actually halfway into book two um, and uh, looking forward to ordering the next ones. But uh, I thought this was really cool, and I think it's interesting um, in terms of – uh, like presentation there's even in, in this volume alone there are three different artists for the three different storylines um, there certainly it, are and it's yeah and it's it's interesting to see how you know what what part of the book um i'm sorry what what part of the um the appreciation for the book is from just uh, Ruck writing, and what part of it you know is the art, so it's neat to, to actually have one story arc in one style and the next in another style, so you can sort of figure out how you feel about the story and and, and what ruck is doing. Well um, if, so you're gonna pre-
3: switch. if you're if you're going to switch artists, that's the way to do it you know mm. in, in you know self-contained arcs. Uh, I, I must, I, I'm a big fan of books like this or the, uh, I buy the walking dead in the largest possible volumes, you know, the ones that come out a year at a time. And I love getting my stories in these great big chunks, but reading this reminded me a bit of the very first volume of the walking dead hardcovers, which are, uh, Tony Moore art for the first half. And then, uh, jarringly, jarringly, not that, uh, for the next part. And, you know, the. It's sort of – there's sort of this feeling of slamming on the brakes at one point when, when I am re- when I was reading The Walking Dead. I've gotten used to it by now and
1: I probably wouldn't. Exactly. He's not going yeah. anywhere. I'm trying – you're with yeah. Charlie like, from, from there right. on out and you, you, you get – But that yeah. feeling
4: of shock, that that sudden like, oh, oh, OK. We're switching gears very quickly. Right. Or you're almost like, I wish I didn't like the first part of this so much. Well, well yep. you know,
1: it's funny because yep. – it's interesting because – I mean like I read this in Issues and so each arc – and I think this works the whole way through. Every arc has a different artist on it. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody repeats mm-hmm. or anything. And so once you get used to that, it's the same thing that happens as Sandman or, or, um, or something like that. And- yeah, or but I've
4: yeah. never seen Sandman physically change. And he, he wasn't even corporeal. I've never huh, seen him right. change as as radically as Leandro Fernandez had her had Tara well, Chase change. Yeah, well, they She really, was an entirely different character. They from really Womber take to the, the rocket. Next. They uh they
3: take the rocket train to Boobtown in chapter three <laughs> of this. I think we should table that
1: and get to it near the end because <laughs> okay. otherwise we're starting yeah. off. On this <laughs> okay, right. So let's talk about the things we like for a little yes. while. Okay. And Then. What I do. I, I just
4: want liked. to interject that I do like Leandro Fernandez's art. I don't want anyone to think I don't like him. It's just a radical change.
1: I understand. So yeah. the first story, <laughs> uh, actually, well, let, let's let's keep going. Uh, Sonia, you you picked it up a while back. Um, had you heard of it before that? Were you were you interested in it? Was it is it sound like your kind of thing?
4: Yeah, people were always saying I should read it. They'd say, "Oh, you'd like this. You should read this. It's it's about MI6." You'd because I like um. Kind of like the born identity, and I don't know. I figured because it's English, probably they thought I'd like it. I don't know, but I I, really didn't like.
1: You should like this. It's American. I'd be like, well, that's everything. (laughs) (laughs)
4: You know, right?
1: People are fucking stupid. What
4: can I say? (laughs) Anyway, so they kept saying it, but I really, really had a problem with the font they used for the logo initially. So I never picked it up because I thought it looked awful because of that. If Um, there was
3: anyone I knew who would say that. Yeah. That wasn't Ron Richards. It would be. <laughs>
4: Sorry. I didn't I know it's like ridiculous. the logo. Uh, yeah.
3: Well, you're a design ridi- person.
4: Yeah. I, I just feel like it's, you know, the cover is there to tell you what's inside, and so I didn't look at it. Yeah, and actually, I really I really enjoyed it. I mean, I do still, I mean, I once wrote this in a joking article, the Lost Ten Commandments comics, where I said that Americans shouldn't write English dialogue, and I was talking about this. Really? I, I actually... Uh. Never had a problem with Hellblazer, which was what you said at the time. I think Sonia has a problem with Hellblazer. But I never did. It was this. not many
1: Americans have written it. Only Brian Azzarello and then Jason Aaron did a couple issues. And for the most part, they've all been from the UK.
4: Hellblazer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. That's why I didn't say it about Hellblazer. But in the article, you you responded to the comments to people and said, oh, I think she means Hellblazer. But actually, I really like Brian was writing on it. No, the problem I had is not with the way he writes dialogue. I think he's, Brocker does a beautiful job. There's, there's definitely things what in the right, I was like, wow. He uses phrases wrong. Okay. He uses a couple phrases again and again wrong. And it's so it's so dumb because it doesn't matter. It's like the font, you know? It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. But it, it's that moment where it pulls me out of the of suspension of disbelief. Yeah. He says, on your bike, and he doesn't use it to mean get out of here. He means it to go, oh, you're going somewhere. No, nobody uses it that way. People only mean it in a nasty like, yeah, fuck off. That's <laughs> I actually what, wrote that bike- on
1: the website last night, but I think I used it in the <laughs> correct way. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'm sure you did. And I'm sure he's learned since then. And he also says things like store. People don't usually say store in England. They much, much more often say shop. Store
1: is, is more where you would store things. To be fair, there's a lot of British writers writing American comics. I I catch that stuff all the time. Absolutely.
4: It it made me think about that a lot. Mm -hmm. But because I'm English and only partly American, I don't pick up on that as much.
3: Maybe, uh, Maybe Tara Chase is a trend center and she's trying to make On Your Bike happen. Did you ever well, think about that? Well, it's not
4: her. It's not. That's the problem. Oh, Two different characters say it, so it's weird. It's just stupid. I know
1: it's silly to get hung up on these tiny things.
4: So because because we it's so rich the, the and micros. good. Apart,
1: we leave the micro alone, and we back up a little more. What mm. Did you, what you, you like? Some you must like some of it. I love Steve Ralston's art, first of all, and I love that he
4: makes her feminine and vulnerable, but not. Um, not weak or seductive in any way she's just very much doing her job and living her life and having absolutely no idea how to live in a healthy way in the world mm-hmm. and and you know for a woman uh who's at times been too involved in my work i and my work is not nearly this stressful not even a tenth <laughs> as stressful. <laughs> you, you only <laughs> feel like killing people <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Um but I like what he does with the characters. I think it's amazing he, he, he weaves a very nice rich set of characters. Mm-hmm. Um and, and a very strong female character, which is fun. It's only in that last story that because the art's so different, I actually can't tell if I even like the story, which is really a shame. I- like it's strange departure from their behaviors of previous storylines and she is very, very voluptuous and seductive in her movements. So it's hard to know if I actually like her or if I think
1: she's an arrogant bitch suddenly. Um, I would say she's all of these things. Uh, Jim, do you have any tiny, tiny things about it that stop you from liking it?
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, and in fact,
1: uh, I think that if you're going to tell a story like
3: this, where uh, – the, the Ralston art, I've never seen – I don't know that I've seen anything like it before or since. Um, and I think it's a nice complement to a story that is, is equal parts sort of espionage, intrigue and bureaucracy to take something that's so – like it could be such a Michael – should be such a Gados book or a Michael Lark book or a Sean Phillips sure. book or something mm-hmm. like that. And kind of use as a counterpoint a more cartoony style. I think – uh, i don 't know if you ever, as a kid, read the Nom from Marvel Comics, but they did kind of the same thing. I yeah. would say it was Michael gold michael Gold. Um, yeah they they would take you know these gritty real life more real than real situations and put the most out kind of off the wall cartoon art on it. Not to say that the Ralston art is off the wall, but it 's just more of a uh it's it 's by by kind of picking that artist that is sort of an unconventional choice for the subject matter it it ends up. Working beautifully, I think, rather than hamstringing it or anything
1: like that. Well, for me, this, is, this book, it's, it's, you bring that up, this is a huge influence for me. Because like, I, the some of the stuff that I'm working on, like I always think, I love, this is the book that showed me that you can use what is considered quote-unquote c- cartoony art and, and put it with a completely, a story that's completely set in reality. Yeah. Like there's, no, there's no fantasy about it. It's, you know, th- like you use the word bureaucracy. And I think yeah. that that's something that very much comes through. And so there are scenes that, that are just two men in suits talking in an office. And that that is comic book anathema. Yeah. And that shouldn't happen, but mm-hmm. it actually works for the most part in these, which I always found very interesting. One of the things that I, I think that there's this, – this, th- this book has three arcs. The first one is drawn by Steve Rolston um, – Whose, whose work you've seen in The Escapist, he he draws a, a lot like... Um, that's where I've seen it. Okay. He draws a lot yeah. like Sonia, who is it that I can't think of that I interviewed and you were right there last year? Drew, the Grant Morrison oh, book.
4: Oh, that's interesting. He A little bit like Philip Bond, but I wouldn't have said that, but now that you've said it a little bit, it's and maybe that's why bit. I like it so much.
1: Philip Bond drew the first issue of The Escapist, and, and Steve Rolson drew the rest of them, and most people didn't know oh, it.
4: See, I see a massive difference, but I've been following yeah. Bond's work since he first started.
1: But the two, we're about the the two same guys age.
2: are very similar. You know, they hold similar places in the industry, I'd say. Anyway. But if, if I can if I could add one more, it looks a lot like um, Scott McCloud, too, in um, like Zot. Really? I think it's just very clean. I don't know. I, I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Um, one of the things I, that worked yeah. really well, because he used this cartoony style, this more
1: um, – uh, not uh, like evocative, everybody was able to look different. By not making them look realistic, he could, he could exaggerate the features on people so that you knew the difference between the two white, dark-haired guys, which would be um, uh, Tom Wallace, whose minder... Basically, by the way, the cast is basically four people for the most part. There's Tara Chase, uh, Tom Wallace, and Ed Kittering. Ed's the first one, right? Those are the three minders, and those are like the main... Mm-hmm. James Bond go out there shoot people spies and then their boss uh, Paul Crocker there's lots there's other people around but those are sort of the main characters now Tom Wallace but I don't find it cartoony
4: okay I just I, I object to that term and I know that at the end there's some sketchbook stuff that's like people were complaining it was too cartoony but I think they look like real people just um, yeah I think they look really like you, you can feel their personality coming through it's just there's something
1: about know, the line though that I yeah, can't quite yeah. put no, my but- but I mean, it's again mentioning Scott McCloud. Like basically, it's it's about being photorealistic or about being. Um, there's a word I can't think of that, that like it's, expressionistic. Expressionistic. It's it's telling you what is there using much less lines and being much less realistic. And that's how I describe this kind of work. That's why I don't like the word cartoony because it evokes a mm. lot of other things. But it's a yeah. single line. It's not shaded. It's you know it's slightly caricaturish. and in that sense, this book is really. Good because it lets you know who all these characters are in a, in a very uh, succinct and, and quick way. Yeah, is in a lot of books, a lot of comic book artists can't draw dark haired white men to look any different from one another. <laughs> and in this, they I was thinking have facial features yeah. and it's like If Mike teodato had wrote had
3: written, had drawn Operation Broken Ground, we just wouldn't be talking about this book at all, right? No, we wouldn't, because it would have been like
1: <laughs> you mean the one with Tommy Lee Jones versus Tommy Lee Jones versus Tommy Lee Jones, <laughs> right? That he's probably better than that. Um. He might have worked a Gene Hackman in there. You Maybe. It's, does he use Gene Hackman? I don't, God, I hope so. Oh. I, um, idea. And then, and then so you get to – and what I think that that does is it establishes who these people are really well from the beginning. His character designs, which pretty much hold throughout the rest of the, the, the book, um, you know, it works in that way, and I really like that. Um, and then so when you switch to the next artist, which is Brian Hurt, It's a little bit different, but it's sort of working in that same school, and he pretty much uses the same model, and it it works the same way. Brian Hurt, a lot of people might know from... I know him from doing um, The Damned, also from Oni, um, sort of a a horror noir book, and then he also did Hard Time for a while um, by the late Steve Gerber. Yeah. Um, And it's funny because, to me, I didn't find it jarring when new artists came on this book because I like... these These are... and this might be because of this book, but these are the kind of comic book artists that I like best. Um, they're really, they're cartoonists more in the vein of like a Will Eisner as sure. opposed to, you know, what, what's popular at Marvel, the, the Mike Diodato or the um, other stuff I don't like as much, I suppose. But also, like, even like, you know, it's not like the Ethan Van, Van Skyver school either. It's not that traditional stuff. Brian Lee O'Malley inks something in this, doesn't he? He's the, the first. Second. Yeah, the first story and the second in the, in the Brian Hurt stuff. He also lettered some of it, um, I think, at some point. Maybe not this book. Maybe that was a different book. Maybe he lettered lo- local, and I'm completely confused. <laughs> um, one of the things that I think I really liked about this was, and, and I'm sorry that Sonia has to be here while I do this, but I am, I'm, a, I'm like a British culture fetishist in a way. And, and, like, this is, I don't know if you know, but this is based on a show, loosely based on a show called The Sandbaggers. Um, and if you've ever seen The Sandbaggers, it is a, it was a, it's a regional British television show from the 70s, um, and it's literally like watching this, this book. I mean, literally.
3: I only, I only found that out when I was doing research an hour ago so that I knew I would have more than three
1: things to add. Did you, to did you happen to check it up on YouTube or anything? Uh, no, I didn't get that far. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Tara Chase, isn't it? There isn't a Tara Chase character in that. There's a female spy who comes on later. But the, guy, the main guy is basically Paul Crocker. A character who I love I love Mm -hmm. very much you know with all my heart in fact I I enjoy his work a lot more I I enjoy like his scenes a lot more than Tara Chase's because he's that he's that interesting like he's put upon all the time angry all the time (laughs) angry but he's also like he's got the very best of intentions at heart actually Um, and I like that because no one likes him and he's an asshole but like he really is trying to do the right thing all the time Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, he's getting stepped on. by the. I love the bureaucracy of the whole book. And, and, and there's nothing like British bureaucracy when it comes to, Yeah. you know, I've worked <laughs> at a couple of companies that, you know, you have that down. I
4: was thinking that because I was thinking how much I enjoy the scenes where they're arguing politics. The head guys are all arguing, well, if we inform the government of this, then we might not be able to do that. Oh, they already know about this. We're not going to get away with that. It's very funny.
3: That was the part of it that I found most interesting when it turned out yeah. not to uh, so much be the born identity as it turned oh. out to be, you know, the, it, it, had, it had less to do with James Bond than it did with The Office. Yeah. In yeah. some <laughs> respects. Yeah,
4: you know, people said that to me once about Battlestar Galactica. Oh, it's like The Office in space. And I'm like, that's the most <laughs> interesting stuff is the grown-ups deciding who's going to live and who's going to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I like about this. It's a comic book about some adults
1: doing adult
4: jokes, Very much so,
3: and I think that this which is—, is not to say, Which is not to say that rocket launchers don't get fired at the embassy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's funny because this is really—this is my favorite thing that Greg Ruck has, has ever done, um, because this is exactly where he should be and wants to be. Like, he can do superhero stuff, and people say, oh, I really like Checkmate, and I did too, but it is a, a version of this that has been stuffed into superhero tights. To a certain <laughs> extent, um, and it has to work within the confines of the DC Universe. And here, he only has to work within the confines of relative reality, you know, where he's got to make it seem. And it's funny because, you know, so you, you picked up that he's, he's trying to make it a little more authentically British. And, but from my perspective, and this is, you know, not completely removed because I've worked for British companies for probably seven years straight. And so I'm very familiar with it. Like, I was like, he's doing a pretty good job with this for a guy who lives on the west coast of the U.S. Mm. You know what I mean? Oh, very, I, I, yeah. I began to wonder. I was like, did he spend time in London? And then I realized he was just working off of um, uh, the sandbaggers, basically. It's very, he does a very good job, yeah. I think. You know, in, in, yeah. in tone, even more so than maybe the specifics of, of language. Um, one of the other things I really enjoyed is that the, with so much action stuff out there, you know, the hero goes in, they shoot the bad guys, they do whatever, and those scenes are in here. But afterwards, you see somebody who appears to be tough as nails and that, that is actually breaking her. That doesn't mm-hmm. sound like a new story, but I feel like it's a new story for comic books. It's not the kind of thing that, that no. normally gets tackled in these kind of things. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, you don't see Captain America after a big battle break down.
4: Mm, no. some, that's not his shtick, his though. But you do see it sometimes. I don't know. Batman's a big one for having feelings.
3: I've always I've always thought that if you took Crazy just yeah. if you took just the bullet points from Spider Man's life he would be oh, a psychotic mental case yeah. for the rest of his entire like like yeah. the Gwen incident alone
4: uh, yeah, yeah, Devil's know. another one who's always crying yeah <laughs> right. they have know, feelings that's, but that just feelings.
3: everyone who tries to kill oh, Spider Man turns out to be his neighbor or someone he knows. <laughs> <had. laughs>
4: People that know me are always trying to kill me. So yeah, I know how you feel.
1: Deeply paranoid. Maybe the difference here is that Tara isn't, doesn't have anybody to show any of that to. Right. Also like she has. Does, She has no family and it's the nature of the job to a certain extent.
4: True. But yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, she's really isolated. She doesn't know how to live. She doesn't know how like, – being functional in the world is work. You need
1: to, to make it yeah. function. But then, and she doesn't know how to make it work. But to every single other person in the world, she appears completely confident. And so, like, there's no – and also she's not getting – she's not getting anything for this. A superhero has – you know, there's, like, an ego boost. You have superpowers. You get to do things. She's – like, like you really begin to question, like, why would you be a spy? There's no – you don't get paid a lot. There's no recognition in the end of it. Most of you die. There's, there's, but there's that moment where
4: she does some good in the end of the second volume and she feels good. There's just a tiny hint of a smile on her face. And you understand that this is, this is all she has. This is the – only thing she has to give her some depth and meaning in
2: her life and i like that they really didn't like 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 bold face and underline that it's just it's a little small moment it's all you need to know that she got some kind of satisfaction out of that and and moved on and and it's it's the next day and what's next and everything like that it's (laughs) it's not it's not overly sentimentalized but it's not just you know cold and this is what we do there's a little there. There's a, just enough of the 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 human element in it to to keep it going and mm-hmm. keep you caring about the characters. Well, what are some what are
1: some of the things that you guys picked up on specifically that you, that you really liked? You'll have to edit that
3: pause out.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, I know.
4: It's being polite and letting each other go first,
3: <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, maybe it's because I'm a little, I mean, I, I view everything through the American lens, but I was very interested to see how they, uh, interacted bureaucratically with the American spies. Uh, you know, lots, lots of meetings on park benches and like. It's very romantic. Being, <laughs> right. It is. Sharing an umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> being politely told, no, you can't go on your operation because, you know, it jeopardizes one of ours and having to sort of haggle it out a little bit. Uh, uh, That was one of the things that even when I was, I haven't, the first time I read this book was quite some time ago. So I needed to freshen my brain up a little bit to to participate. And that was one of the things that was still sticking in my mind a few months later, like seeing, (laughs) seeing these people, the classic uh, microfilm exchange on the park bench, except most of it is just spent sort of bickering about what they can and can't do without getting in one another's way, while
1: avoiding eye contact, right the whole <laughs> I time. I really love that, the, like the fact that every time you see uh, Crocker, Crocker, who is basically the head of operations or DOP, um, and then he meets with the the, the CIA contact Angela Chang, a, a female Asian, which I thought was an interesting choice as well, um, to sort of represent the American uh, side on this side of the book, and they just never look at one another. Like the like, they they always have to draw the body language so that they're they're right. you know from a distance they look like they're not with each other. Which, from a practical
3: standpoint, as 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 someone who knows nothing about spying, that's uh, that that's not fooling anybody. No. When's the last time you were in a park and you sat down on a on a bench next to someone you'd never met
1: before? You don't live in New York City. <laughs> no, you also don't live in London, so it's probably it's a little more crowded than maybe. Bloody hell, yeah,
4: yeah. yeah I like that. Actually, that is. Um... Sort of feels English a lot of the time. That's enjoyable. But more than that, I think he's created a convincingly non-American woman. At least in the first two stories, I felt like she was very non-American because that's one of the things I notice. Not to be funny here, but American women glam it up a lot and um, wear a lot more makeup and and have the shiny hair going on all the time. And I think in England, I don't know why it is, but I've just found that my personal experience with my female friends in England is that they're just a bit more normal. Yeah, but they're yeah.
1: not exactly the ones showing up on Big Brother, are they? <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> God, not like there's a shortage of tarts over there. You know, exactly.
4: But, you know, I would imagine a woman with a job as demanding as that doesn't spend all her time with a hairdryer and a ton of makeup fucking about. Like, it's oh, not going to be convenient. Have job. I mean, just, you know, sorry don't do that please
2: wow, <laughs> no but on, by that same token so it was, he it feels was real that's what i'm saying that's he, why he no that's true it was interesting when um we get to the part in the in the book oh no that's, that's sorry that's volume two <laughs> never mind <laughs>
4: you read <run> ahead <laughs> silence oh, boy oh. <laughs> well because
2: i immediately picked up volume two and was reading it afterwards
4: i mean i did that but this time i just reread volume one just to get Straight with what was in what book, and and I just again really gravitate to the way Ralston draws her is this really normal woman just trying to get on with doing her job well.
1: Um, well, let's get back to the giant long nosed elephant in the room. Uh, the thing that everybody <laughs> keeps wanting to bring up is the third <laughs> arc is drawn by Leandro Fernandez, a guy who at the time I had never heard of. This was the first time that I ever saw his work. Um, he since went on to do a lot more mainstream work. I think he worked. Uh, he did. Um, he did Wolverine with Raka after. Uh, Derek robertson left that book um and it looked very different than what his work looks like here um so Sonya, you were the you were the most obviously affected by it
4: (laughs) she's just um she looks super heroic and it takes away from the reality of the book even though the other artists are supposedly more cartoony she, she she doesn't she moves she all of the characters as you say, their body language is well drawn. But when Leandro starts drawing her, she has that way of standing like a superhero where her chest is puffed out and she's holding all her breath in her chest and, and her waist is very tiny and she's always flexing her shoulder muscles and it works very well for a superhero. And I, I think it detracts a little bit from the basic nature of this particular book.
1: Say, I'm I actually flipping through these pages right now, though, and I don't see that that often. I mean, maybe like in the beginning. The problem is, the very first scene with Tara Chase is she's got like a thong on and her shirt's open, and so like <laughs> that's the first thing you see. And so after that, you tend to look for it, but I don't. I don't <laughs> but really the way see she stands, her waist is so small, and she wears a shiny t shirt at one point, and she's just got
2: tremendously big boobs yeah she was wearing like a mesh shirt at one point <laughs> Yeah, you see like the bra underneath it, she has That's the figure of like a it? clip-on bow tie like that <laughs> like it's really kind of jarring and and um you know more than just you know thinking that this is kind of slightly offensive it, it sort of wasn't it sort of was and wasn't appropriate to the storyline, because um it it was about sort of her you know romantic relationship with with one of the other characters. And it's it sort of it sexualized her. and it, I, I would have liked to see what it that that same story would have looked like with the Ralston art, um where she sort of has like sort of a, like a more prominent nose and it's and it's she looks more like a regular person. It, and you know what it, it, the,
1: the thing that, that Sonia talking about and that you are too really it, it's much more apparent in the first two issues yes and so if you look i'm wondering if he got notes at some point like hey oh he got you notes. need to tone <laughs> it down because and I, there's I one can...
2: point where i clearly figured okay rucka in the script wrote she wears an oversized knit sweater right because <laughs> right. <laughs>
3: It's also possible, from what I've heard of this book, that it just took so long for the next one to come out that he forgot how he'd been drawing her. Listen, buddy, I
1: read them all along; <laughs> they were fine. Jesus. Okay,
3: um, I,
1: it was only at one point later, but there was all 52. I know
3: is that if I'm noticing a female character's lips, then something, yes. especially Tara Chase's now. lips, then something has probably gone wrong. Although, frankly, yeah. I, of the of the two. I would have been happier if Tara Chase had stayed however he wanted to draw her and Crocker had not turned into one of the blue
1: meanies from Yellow Submarine. Now, that was the thing that I noticed, was I didn't notice Tara Chase as much as I noticed that Crocker's nose became ridiculous. <laughs> now, yeah. Th- the thing that I want to – the thing that about that is – now, I've been back. I've read this a couple of times. I don't mind it. And I know that, like, it affected a lot of people. It probably affected me the first time I read it, and I didn't really like it at first. But going through it now – the storytelling in these is really good, and the page layouts and the composition of these pages are all a lot more dynamic than than what had come from earlier in the book. And which is because and there's a lot of a romantic scenes and b action scenes in this stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I think he does better. action much better. Absolutely, and his blacks and you know, like he he's using those black and white pages in a way that the other guys didn't at all. See,
4: I don't know, if better or more dramatically. It's just a more dramatic book suddenly. Well. You know, the,
1: it depends. Yeah, I mean, but but see, that fits along with it to me because the one thing is we're see we see different sides of Tara, for example. So it mm. sort of makes sense to me that she could be drawn in different ways depending on what the things is. I I think that were yeah, I mean, she to, the one, two one's actually in the field. Yeah, I, I mean, were yeah. she to, to to you know dress up and decide to be sexy, she would probably look pretty ridiculously gorgeous. You know what I mean? So it sort of depends on how she wants to carry herself and if if.
4: I'm just looking But at why it. would she suddenly change like that? That's like you know that, that'd be weird. She people people change gradually over time. She's spy. Uh, you don't suddenly go to work dressed like an entirely different person, different hair. But this is
2: this is so just... early too. It's you know we this is only the third storyline she's mm-hmm. been in. So, I mean, it's not. I guess it's not that drastic. The thing is, it doesn't it it doesn't bother <laughs> me that much. The Stylistically, it's drastic, really but... strong,
1: right? But even that was toned down. Like yeah the why the really changed too. I got used to it, like I got used to the Paul Crocker nose, and I was like oh, he's just being he's just being expressionistic about things, and I was mm-hmm. kind of okay with that because at the, the end of the day, the pages are actually really good. If you hadn't read the stuff before, you wouldn't know the difference
3: right if you if you were just coming in cold to chapter three or whatever it was, you wouldn't necessarily mind one way or the other I'd, I'll agree with that
1: and, and some of the really fun stuff about this is like the sort of weird budding romance and the awkwardness between Tara and ed i think he's done really well in this um at least from a writing standpoint as well the scene the scenes in the dark offices with with you know crocker getting in arguments are are beautiful Mm -hmm. um I, i mean i've actually i'm actually i would consider myself a leandro fernandez fan but i wasn't at first you know what i mean like it grew on me and and you know besides the fact that at the end of the story they just go back to somebody else everybody's got preferences i suppose right um and drawing somebody off model for a little while is vaguely forgivable my
4: feeling is if it's like someone said oh i'm gonna be working on superman this year i think i'll draw him with a shorty cape and little hot pants maybe but but, you know
1: when jack kirby went to dc and they hated the way that he drew superman it's all you know it's they they chose this guy for his style some people don't Mm -hmm. like his style yeah, fair enough. It, it, that's what you get. I mean, I, I get, what I'm saying is I, the first time I read it, I was totally down with you. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with Crocker's nose? <laughs> Having been through it now two, three times, I do see the merits of these pages in addition to the other things that are wrong with it. And, I, and for me, like, it, does, it doesn't take away from it all that much.
4: Okay, here's the yeah. problem. It, his problem It's again, it's the same problem I had with the – and maybe it's because I, I like to buy into a story. I like to lose myself in a story. Just like the language things, it's a small thing. I actually like the art. I like the artist and what he does. But it's such a drastic switch that it pulls me out of the story a little bit. It reminds me that I'm just reading a story, that it isn't real. Sure. But we all have different that's levels of that. The problem I yeah. have with
2: it. Yeah. Now, did, that, did that last through the storyline? Like did you – you know, the whole time, was it just jarring or did you, you know, get used to it?
4: Um, I, I mean, I, I was okay with it. Who did that? I got used to it, but I didn't, it wasn't as enjoyable as the rest of it had been.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, that makes sense. Some people probably don't like Brian Hurt. So, you know, after, after Steve Rolston. Um, yeah. But I thought that story-wise it, it progressed really very nicely. I was actually surprised how much stuff had happened earlier in this volume than I thought happened later.
4: Brian Hurt, yeah, that's interesting, right? Because didn't you find that the inking made a big difference, like between Brian Lee O'Malley and Kristen Norrie? I much prefer Kristen Norrie's inking of Brian Hurt's art.
1: Yeah, I feel like O'Malley was on there as a. a little rough. A stopgap. Like, yeah. like they were like, you, you, we need somebody to do this issue. Can you do it? Um, and, mm. it's, and it's not as. I'm trying to look and see which is the, the first one was.
3: It's a bit sketchy. He kept drawing Toronto nightclubs in the background, and I thought that was just
1: yeah. The the, the lines are definitely much heavier on the O'Malley stuff. Yeah, Um, and it's a little more fine on the Nori stuff.
4: Yeah, cleaner, and I think a bit more precise. Uh,
1: You know that that holds. If you've ever seen Christine Nori's artwork Mm. compared to Brian Lee O'Malley's, Mm. it's it's all right there. So it's just again, it's just a you know one way or the other. It's funny, like I'm looking at, but if you look at in that same uh, scene, or in that same story arc, there's the, the scene from the Afghanistan football stadium, with <laughs> the woman in the middle, yeah. which is like ripped, ripped, ripped from the headlines. Um, yeah. But that's a really well drawn bit.
3: I was very yeah. preoccupied reading this without context uh, with whether or not 9 11 had happened when a lot of it had been written. No. I didn't think so but like uh, he he mentions the
1: Taliban I think. He, either, yeah, he was aware he, of and, that stuff though before and, everyone else was.
3: Yeah, I mean I can't I can't cuz I remember I used to I used to be aware of the Taliban too on a kind of a cartoon level cuz they would do those like they'd blow up the Buddha and they'd confiscate audio tapes at the border and make them into fencing and things like that. And like back back before 9/11 it was like oh those wacky Taliban but right. then of course afterwards
1: not so much but uh then I read this and I was like, "Did he? Did was he?" No, this was written on? before that, but I think, but it, like it was mid-series. I think that the the Fernandez arc was coming out when when nine eleven happened, or maybe it was even in the middle of.
2: It's it's referenced, so I think it it happened maybe between well, arcs, point, or yeah. yeah,
1: at one point it it's post nine eleven, so. Uh... Um, mm-hmm. Well, I, they had to deal with it in the book, which must have completely changed what yeah. you know what he was dealing with, because all of a sudden these characters' lives would change too. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of kind of interesting but also it worked you know, it, was or, it was organic enough yeah. um, you know something that bothered me throughout this entire book and only gets worse in the following volumes um, it isn't so much in the first couple but after a while there's, there are massive lettering problems I thought we
4: weren't going to talk about the next two volumes <laughs> we're not
1: but I'm talking because it starts in this one and, you'll, and I'm going to ruin this book for you because you will never be able to read it without seeing these the rule is a word balloon has a tail, and that tail is going to point at the mouth of the character who's talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Start flipping through this, and you find later on how many tails come from people's belts and their shoulders <laughs> and the top of their heads. And yeah, I did notice that. It's the same letter I'm, I'm all looking, the way through. I'm looking at one right now. And it's perfect in the first arc. And then at some point, they just decide it doesn't matter anymore. And I could not get over it. It was driving me crazy. If the writing wasn't so good and I didn't like the whole thing, like I would have been like, what – I was I was this close to like sending a letter to Oni be like I will reletter these books I'm not even very good at it but let me fix these because it's driving me freaking
2: crazy. <laughs> there there's one good example of of lettering though I think in in the next volume though because I think that there's a change. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah mostly it's it, it's really weird like there's sometimes where there's a group of three and I wasn't sure who, like, even what, which character it was pointing to. Right. Like, it would be, so that, that's a problem. But I mean, like, I could guess, the... but, like, it, it, mm-hmm. I had to pause for a minute, and, you know, you don't want to do that. But it's just, there was no reason to. Like, I'm looking at
1: these balloons on different pages, and the Fernando, Fernandez arc is really bad, much worse than anything else. Uh, but, like, you know, people's shoulders will be talking, the words <laughs> will be coming out of the top of their head, like, when it, they could be coming out of the mouth. And it was, oh, God. Sorry, not, not quite Mark Trail level bad, but still pretty No,
3: bad. No, no. You ever see that comic strip in the newspaper? You remember not, newspapers? Not for a long time. Yeah. Is it like, there'll, be, there'll be a picture. Two people will be talking, and then they'll cut to like there's a squirrel outside, and the guy just, I guess, decides he wants to draw a squirrel or something, but all the word balloons look like they're coming out of the squirrel's tail. <laughs> just, it, you, you, the next time you happen to find a newspaper that some old person bought, take a look at the... <laughs> Do they still print those? Uh, for the next couple of weeks. Okay. All
1: right. Get on that. Uh, yeah, the New York Times and DC Comics. Uh, apparently. Um, so, any, any anything to add to the uh, to the the wonder that is is uh, Greg Rucka's Queen and Country, the book that that made Chris Niesman into a stalker. <laughs> is that what did it? I'm pretty sure. <laughs>
4: I would definitely recommend put, picking up this first volume. It's a nice fat book. You get a ton of information for twenty bucks. It looks pretty, and you get a, like nice little insult, insult insight <laughs> into um, another kind of a comic book. I mean, I'm, I'm not. not a, no, this isn't my my usual chosen genre. And I I bought it a while ago, and I really enjoyed it.
1: Well, that's that's actually an important note: is that like there, there's no there's no fantasy going on in this at all. It's yep. all real life and for some people that's not that's not their their cup of tea and not even just even these person their personal lives is very real
4: life it's very crap and boring and unpleasant and they don't eat right and they drink too much and they don't sleep enough and they're stressed and they fuck the wrong people
1: and you know everything about it is gritty and unpleasant but it's not done in that sort of uh We'll call it like an overly Hollywood style of those sorts of behaviors. Yeah. Not like a rock yeah. star does it. It's not, very not like, the, yeah. <laughs> not
3: like the Nick Nolte character. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
4: It, it's like you do it. You come home, you really should go to sleep, but you stay awake watching infomercials and drinking. You know, it's just very basic and raw, and it's
3: enjoyable because of that. I, that do you feel like you get a window into Sonya's world every time she does one of
4: these? A little bit. I hardly, uh, <laughs> I really hardly drink anymore. Oh, good. <laughs> Just cuz
1: it isn't happening now doesn't mean it's not relevant to your life experience.
3: <laughs> I am trying
1: to know what you mean. Re, revisiting <laughs> this volume, I remembered
3: that when I read it, I thought this is amazing and now I'm trying to figure out why I never bought volume 2.
1: So you really Could you I, would you would call this an amazing book. Like how do you how do you rank this?
3: Uh no, I really I really liked it a lot. I it's it's outside the realm of 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 what I buy on a given Wednesday, you know? It's because Uh, it's
1: outside the realm of of 90% of what's available. Right,
3: exactly. And, uh, you know, I... It, it scratches an itch that nothing else really scratches, and I'm trying – like for the life of me, I don't know why I didn't rush out the next day and get volume two, much less not having done it six months later. I think what it was was it was the last book on my stack, and I was so goddamn proud to not have another book on that stack. I was like, I'm <laughs> never buying
1: anything again. <laughs> I've completed reading for my life. You know what <laughs> you should do? You
4: should go to the iFanboy site. Click on the store and buy it through Amazon through that link. Frankly, way, I, I don't want to put
3: my food in those people's mouths, frankly. No, no, that's a, that's a great idea. No, that's, that's, a, that's a great idea. Maybe I, I will. So, yeah. tell me more.
1: Uh. <laughs> well, what, well, you know, one of the other things, and this is totally like, like not even about the story, but like the book is really nice. Like for whatever yeah. reason, I've, I, you know, I've got a lot of trade paperbacks. This one I've read a bunch of times. I'm flipping through it. Like the paper's really nice. I don't feel like the spine is going to fall yeah. apart. It's oh, like, yeah. I, I lend this to people. This is one of those,
4: you don't think you like comics. Why uh-huh. don't you try this? It's just a good spy novel. Yeah. You know, it that. looks like a novel. It's less intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I've, been, I've been packing house this
3: weekend, so I've had an opportunity to get intimate with every friggin' book I own in the last <laughs> couple of days. And, yeah, Did you the, get intimate
1: uh, with them, really? Did you <laughs> well, you know, I didn't do you it. You know,
3: the paper stock that they – no. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> uh, Terrible you know, paper
4: this, cuts when you this, do that.
3: <laughs> this uh, this volume, every time I pick it up, I'm holding it in my hands right now going, God, I wish that if I could buy, like, 12 issues of Guardians of the Galaxy this way, uh, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, this is this is one of my preferred formats
1: for how I would like it. It's the a- perfect be- size. Any smaller mm-hmm. than this and you start to lose something, but it, it works really well. You start to feel like an 11-year-old Japanese girl. Yes, exactly. Page first. And I keep I- trying to read it from the back and then it makes no sense, yeah. word balloons right. or no. <laughs> Um, this book to me, I mean, it's, it's like a, it's a giant influence on me. Like, these are the kinds of stories that I would want to write. I always gravitate towards working on stuff that is real as opposed to, to not, I guess. It's also really intimidating because he had to make sure that he was being relatively factually accurate. Yeah. Which is, which is always scary. But I just. I,
3: I don't think I could write a book like this because I don't think I would have this. A, I wouldn't have the stomach for the research, and B, I'd be too paranoid about
1: getting things wrong. See, I think you probably know most of this stuff. You're very—you're an informed dude. You knew who the Taliban was before nine eleven. Come on. <laughs> well,
4: everybody I, knew who
1: the Taliban was. I, I do I, I believe and you're even giving even the hate. benefit of the doubt to a lot of people who don't deserve it. Just then.
4: Okay, now this is the thing. Politically, for the rest of the world, nine eleven was seen differently from the this way is it, it so was. so not I,
1: something we need to talk about. Right no, on this show. I'm just it's saying. Really no, I'm going to cut the fuck out of it. Listen, don't even. Okay, but I'm
4: telling you, the comic deals with this really sensibly and I just think it's really sensitively done. I think, I think the the difference in the way it was perceived from people who were political from the, the bulk of the country is dealt with very sensitively in the book and I really appreciate that.
1: It's and true. it shows what how much research he must have done to do this. And, but the other side of it being that it's very much preaching to the choir. I think the people who bought this were already the people who were amenable. Well maybe
4: Maybe now that it's such an accessible volume, people who might not have picked it up before will pick it up and be able to get that out of it.
3: Do, do one or more of you read this and watch the show 24 by any chance?
1: I can't watch 24. I watched the first season of it, and because of this, like, it's lame.
3: <laughs> this is, this is the, the crux of my question.
1: Uh, uh, have you ever seen uh, MI5 or Spooks, as they call it in the UK? A little bit, yeah. That is closer to this, mm-hmm. very much so. It's actually a really good show. Don't watch the ones that they rerun here because they cut the hell out of them and they're, they're edited all weird. But that is yeah. the closest that you can get to this. I, I, would pref- I prefer this because that's a little more stylistic. But that's a really good show, and it deals with a lot of the same issues because that's, they're MI5, so they're domestic as opposed to MI6 or international. But
2: mm-hmm. And for the bureaucracy, I would actually um, I'd recommend uh, like the original State of Play miniseries. That's on my yeah. Phone. It's very I've good. Been, so. I've been pondering
3: whether to go show or movie with that because I'm not watching both. I got, I got places
1: to be. Go, go with the miniseries. You got Always, the Bill Nye yeah. in there. So. Always go with the miniseries. Yeah. Whenever. You can, and you can also check out, I think, Sandbaggers Baggers is out on DVD now.
0: Um, mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Really I, like. know, I don't know how
3: to feel about the, the newfound knowledge that this book is, is based on something. Like I liked it a little better when I thought it was – it sprung whole cloth from the mind. Oh,
1: right, but that show is also 30 years old and no one would have known about it. So I think he took it and liked <laughs> – yeah. he's like, I like this. This is men smoking and it's Tweety. And, Honestly, and, there, there are no new ideas. You can't you're, – you're younger
4: than us, Paul, but someone just taking an idea and molding it and making it into something truly beautiful
1: is a, is a great thing to do. I think Paul's going to try to challenge you on that. For his- no. well, He's younger than me? No. I, th- I think well, he can't. That's, that's, no, no, he's really. lost that one. But um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, but there are no new ideas, really.
4: Yeah. let's yeah. just got to appreciate the people agree. who are honing the, the things that exist. The sound you just
3: heard was me deleting every text file on my hard drive. Why? Oh,
2: because oh. it's all been done. What's the point?
4: Well, Deep. this is why I'm not an artist.
2: It's, uh. it's depressing. Here's my thing about it. no the, like creativity is isn't about um making something out of nothing. It's about taking what resources you have and and making the best you know thing you can you can make out of the best product, whether it's a story or interpretation right so it's it's pulling from all the different things like things that have inspired you or you know different little ideas you've had all coming together. so it's you know we're just making collages. that's what that's what creativity is.
1: You know, for, for, for me, nice. reading Queen and Country, it, this is a book that doesn't there's – no, there's no other books like this. There's, there's not books that survive like this. They tried – Image had that series, The Circle, that nobody bought. It was by Brian Reed. He writes for and Marvel. Reed? People know yeah. him. Um, and, and it's like it's so good that they I – I still don't know why they don't try to do more stories like this in comics other than the fact that people don't buy them. Um, which is which is raw, which is you know it's too bad. There's no reason that if you could do this as a TV show, you should be able to do it as a comic, and and this is a really successful version of that. You know, it's a little. But f- gotta gotta put Spider-Man, Spider-Woman in it if you're gonna well, do that. What I say is, if you read this book and you love it, you should tell it about everybody about it, and and they can and 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 give it to people and let people borrow it, and and they'll say wow there are different kinds of stories there are you don't have to put fantasy you don't have to put magic or supernatural or zombies in a book to make it compelling and to make it a good comic book
2: such is the heft of this volume that you could actually forcibly throw this through someone's windshield or window and force them to read it so I think you should take you know take advantage of that (laughs) absolutely all right. Well, thanks very much. If you want to talk
1: more about this book, you can go to the thread on ifanboy.com. dot com. You can always write to us at contact at iFanboy dot com, and 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 just make sure you check this book out. It is is one of my favorites. It's a it's a five star book, I'd say. Five stars, yeah. Five stars. Four and a half, Sonia. Oh,
4: um, I I just don't think about things like that. I'm not going to give it stars. It's just good. It's a good solid book not going to give it stars
2: well I'm going to no, give she it astronomy
4: she doesn't
3: understand the comic readers mentality at all no, I'm <laughs> no
1: not I really to, don't <laughs> I'm not trying to talk to you in your language I'm trying to translate <laughs> right. it right you don't understand Sonia, just exclaim that it's
3: the best book ever and be done with it no
4: it's not it's a good
3: solid do it.
1: book do it all right talk about what what two a things, downer talk about what two movies it crosses it's men <laughs> in black <Right>. meets Me. <laughs> daddy daycare
2: like, oh, god. oh my god yes
1: <laughs> please don't. by the way I think I think Paul and I have a pitch to work on just now Yes. <laughs> right. I think that's clearly what's happening all right thanks very much we'll talk to you later